everybody. You're listening to Driving Them In with Jim Campanis Jr. and Eric Lindenberg, a show that we like to do because uh, we always called each other and talked baseball. We said, hey, why don't we make a little podcast out of this thing and, and invite some of our friends to come on. So I think we're looking at show – Eric, help me out here. What are we looking at? Show 17, 16, 17, something like I believe. that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. Couldn't be better. How about yourself? I'm doing fine myself. Uh, a little bit earlier. We usually do the. We usually like record these shows on a different day, but uh, I think it's cool. We're getting a whole bunch of um, uh, guests lined up for kind of like our spring season here, and then we got our first guest coming on today. And uh, it's funny because uh, I've met him this, uh, this guest in person. I was doing a book signing at the uh, at the fall league game. I think you were there that night where uh, it was where Tim Tebow's team. This the, he was at Scottsdale. That's right. And our That's friend. Yep, and our friend, uh, 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 we we had I had a chance to get this set up to the guys that you and I know over there, and um, and it was really kind of cool because one of my old friends was Tom Goodwin. Is Tom Goodwin the, the first base coach now of Boston, and he was actually the manager of of the Scottsdale team, which had this player uh, who he wasn't there that night because he had to do football announcing. But Tim Tebow was Tebow was the was the, their their left fielder, you know, on that team. So. Anyhow, uh, that was the night um, where uh, I I got a chance to meet this guest and talk a little bit about what he what he's what he's doing. And so, why don't you give us a quick little rundown of who our guest is and and uh, and, and what he's all about? Yes, uh, our guest today is going to be John Hazinga. John, a uh, lifelong baseball player, he played for many years at different levels. And uh, you know, on a previous show, we had your old teammate Jim Henderson on, and right. we talked a lot about perseverance being the main theme that night. Well, of all the people I know, John Isenga just epitomizes perseverance. He has had many, many obstacles he's had to overcome during the course of his career. And, uh, you know, he does it and never bitter. He's never angry about what's happened. He just keeps going and, and keeps doing what he does. He's training people now. He trains a lot of young players at a facility that he has in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, okay. And I've been over there several times. And in addition to young players, it's not unusual to run into some MLB guys who are there working out. That uh, They like John's facility and they like his training methods. And he has some unique training methods and ideas on nutrition and things that we'll talk about. Uh, yeah. But, gosh, I, I remember, I guess it was, you know, our buddy Corey Seward introduced me to John a few years ago. Okay. And uh, I've been in touch with him ever since. I've actually gone over there to his facility, baseball lab that he has, and taken some cuts. So you should have seen me that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can still swing it, buddy. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that lefty swing of yours. And uh, and uh, but Isla Borders, I, I who was a guest on our show. If you guys haven't listened to that show, really good one uh, because Isla described how she would get Eric out being a lefty batter and her being a lefty pitcher. And of course she mentioned how she was going to get me out too. I thought that was a fun thing. We might have to, we might have to drop that on John tonight too. See, see how he, if his game plan would be different than, uh, I that's a good play. idea. But I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, a lot of these special people that, that, that run through the game of baseball, you know, the average fan thinks, oh, this guy shows up at 7 o'clock to the game, he puts his uniform on, he goes out and he, he hits the ball all over the place. And, no, there's a whole 
level of sacrifice that players and you and I can be included in that. You know, we, we both played at high levels and, um, you know, there was a lot of times where it was like, you know, I wanted to go out and hang with my buddies, but I had a game first thing in the morning or I had to catch a flight. And, you know, you just sacrifice a lot of things in life. I missed the numbers of holidays. I mean, I was in other countries or, or whatever, right. miss, miss Christmas, Thanksgiving. And sometimes it happened for several years in a row. I just, I was just out of the freaking, out of the country, out of the, out of the, out of reach. Uh, and I know that those are the easy parts of, of the uh, sacrifice, you know, um, the really hard stuff, you know, are, are like coming back from really bad injuries or, or weird things. And I know John's got some interesting backstory on that that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, so he's coming on here in about three minutes or so. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things too, that, that, you know, separates, I think the, uh, really the, the, even in the major leagues, the the guys who look at sacrifices like that's that's what we're that's normal, like that's that's what we're all supposed to do, and the guys that can just sort of understand that that's that's part of the game and part of the process are the ones that embrace that you know that sacrifice. While the other guys they look at it as you know I don't want to I don't want I I'd, I'd rather go have fun with my buddies on a Friday night than you know, work out or, or prepare for my game tomorrow. And, you know, I think you and I saw guys that were probably even better than, than us when we were growing up and they just didn't have the desire to, to, to succeed in, in a really tough game that kicks your ass every single time you play it uh, for those moments of awesomeness where, you know, you, you get that big hit or that, that game winning, uh, you know, ground ball to short that, that, you know, you, you work so hard to battle and, and you just got the ball on the wood on it. And, and, you know, we're seeing this even in the playoffs that are happening right now. We're seeing guys that, that just are stepping up and, and, uh, and creating opportunities for their team. And, you know, and that's what the other part of, uh, about the, the game of, uh, of baseball is, you know, it's a team sport played by individuals yet, one individual can be awesome and we can look at Mike Trout and the team is not, you know what I mean? Whereas in basketball, a lot of times you have a Michael Jordan or you have, you know, know, in in more modern times, you know, you have somebody like, I don't know, there's tons of great basketball players, but when you have one of those guys or two of those guys or three of those guys, you can pretty much count on being in the playoffs. Right. So uh, interesting uh, uh, that, you know, that, that's a common denominator, I think amongst this, uh, us, all baseball players. Uh, and I do know that, you know, John being a pitcher, you know, uh, those guys had a little bit of a different sort of path, you know, um, however, you know, they still, they still dealt with baseball, you know, in the, in the, in terms of the, the, you know, high school, little league, high school, college, all that kind of stuff. So um, it'll be fun to talk with John and kind of learn his uh, path and his story um, and his story of perseverance as we, as we get deeper into that. So, so very cool, very cool. So uh, yeah, we it looks like we got a couple more minutes. He'll be coming on, and uh, once again, I think Eric, you've uh, you, you you got a good uh, good guest. I've talked to him in person. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know it's funny too. Uh, you had mentioned we were talking earlier how many mutual friends that you and I have with him, and that's just funny. That's the fun thing too to me about baseball. The longer that we're around the game, and the more people we know, it's an incredible number of people that uh, we know each other one way or another, and yet it seems like a small family or something, a small little tribe together, although there's thousands yeah. of people. And that's how we end up getting such a diversity of people on our show. You, know, you and I have some very deep Rolodexes. 
Hi. And uh, that's the feedback I get from our listeners is they like the uniqueness of the guests. We aren't just yeah. talking about some guy, you know, hey, remember that great game I played? We never touch on that kind of thing. Right. I, and I think we keep our shows a little bit more topical versus, you know, like day-to-day, you know, what happened in sports. And although, you know, we're in the in the middle of the of the playoff runs uh, for the American and National League, you know, um, championship series, you know, that's really not what we're here to talk about. It's more of, you know, uh, you know, stories that you can listen to in the middle of winter or, or podcasts that, that would still resonate, you know, to the average baseball fan. And I think that's what, you know, that's what we're really trying to do. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think, you know, that's, that's what's, what's been fun when I listen back to some of the shows we've had on, you know, like college recruiting, I can't tell you how many people ask me about college recruiting and, and I've actually told like players that I train on the weekends that I do a lot of training with a lot of guys who want to go to the next level in college, you know, and I say, Hey, you know, I, I just texted you a link to this, you know, podcast with coach Michael Espy, hall of fame coach and listen to what he talked about with recruiting. And it's been very, very helpful, you know, for those in that, in that, you know, looking around for answers when they're, they're really hard to find. So that, yeah. that, that, that was one of my favorite shows because, well, first of all, coach, you know, Gillespie's like a mentor, like a second dad, but he's also, uh, he was very, you know, informative and, um, and, you know, we couldn't shut him up. Right. And what was that hour and a half show or something? Yeah. That was so, a, lot, uh, <laughs> a lot of people listen, <laughs> but, but that's, that's what's great about the, this format. You know, we, we, we're not bound to uh, time constraints and, and all of that, but, uh, you know, I think again, we have this, uh, this, this nice, you know, 16 or other shows that I think people would be interested. So, uh, uh wherever you found this show, just kind of go back to wherever you get your podcast, whether it's, you know, Stitcher or, or iTunes or, or, you know, even Spotify. There's, I think we have nine locations you can listen to this podcast through. And check out the other ones. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with some of our guests and, you know, some of the, the topics and discussions that uh, we've been able to to get. And, by the way, I have a couple more. You know, you and I have some more tricks up our sleeve for future guests. Uh, and some that will be kind of like they'll be kind of blown away, I think, by a, a couple of them that we're going to be getting up here uh, shortly later this month. So I'm looking forward to those uh, podcasts coming up as well. Yeah, I definitely know people are going to be blown away by at least two of our upcoming guests in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I did a a show a couple of years ago. I had a show that was on, and you know, you mentioned how we control our own format. We can go for an hour and a half if need be. We just we do whatever is working. But there were times I I would cut it short to twenty minutes. I was almost like a filler commercial or something when the interview didn't go all that well, or somebody got up on the wrong side of the bed. I could always tell. But we don't have right. that uh, issue on this show. No, and I think that's been one of the one of the cool things about it. We've, you know, well, you and I can talk, sure, but uh, when these guests get engaged with our conversation, it's been it's been like these shows. And, and even when you go back, and I go back a lot of times, and I listen quality control, like before I put them out, and right. you know, all of a sudden I'm listening, and it's like, holy cow, the hour just went by like bang, you know, because to me the conversations are really engaging, and and uh, the topics that we're getting into. I mean, we talk hitting with Derek May former, you know, major league batting coach and, you know, how much I love hitting and we talked about yeah, that. Was a fun and, show. Yeah. And, and that one we did when I was in North Carolina, driving across the state to a, to a meeting. <laughs> and again, that's, what's cool about this sort of driving them in concept. We can, you know, take care of things like as I'm, as I'm crawling on the 57 freeway North right now uh, in lovely diamond bar, California, <laughs> um, you know, that's, 
this, this is this is passing the time. It's making it a lot easier to uh, get from A to B. Um, and so, uh, anyway, I think that'll be that, that's another piece I think of the of the show that I think you know if you've had a chance to listen to our other episodes, um, you know. And by the way, we have a a, a website. I'm sorry, I, I should say an email address. That uh, if you have any questions or maybe you have suggestions on guests or or if you want to be a guest yourself. Um, you know, maybe you should hit us up at driving them in at yahoo.com and that's driving. And then the short for them is EM and then in driving them in at yahoo.com. Let us know what you think. And, uh, and of course, you know, uh, Eric, you and I still have dozens and dozens of people that we have on our target list for upcoming shows. So, uh, we'll keep doing these as long as people keep listening. Um, and, uh, we've had nice, nice feedback on the, on the shows that we put up with uh, interesting, you know, topics along the way. I wish I had the list with me while I'm driving at the moment, but we've gone, we've gone pretty deep on some of this stuff that's uh, really neat. The, the Dick Allen uh, show was great with Mark. Um, right. Talking Mark about you know, getting right. him, yeah, getting him into the hall of fame. Um, we had Perry Barber, uh, umpire, a female umpire talking about how she ran the game. Uh, so there's been a lot of fun, uh, you know, topics that are, that are, you know, pretty diverse in the game of baseball. Um, what we can promise is you probably won't hear us talking about basketball because I don't know anything about basketball uh, or football either. for that matter. <laughs> uh, I love watching those. I love watching those games, but I'm not as uh, as deep into you know the the inner workings of those other sports like like baseball. Just from growing up playing it and growing up in as a family thing. So uh, anyway, yeah, that'll that, that'll be uh, it'll be fun. Um, hopefully, we get uh, John on here, our, our guest here, pretty soon. But uh, yeah. in the meantime, you you got any uh, any uh, uh, you know? Let, let, let's just break loose here, and we'll just get a little topical for a second while we're waiting for John. But uh, who's your World Series prediction right now, folks? Is we're in 2019. Uh, we have the uh, Yankees playing the Astros, which is almost like a World Series within itself. Um, and then we have the uh, Cardinals playing the Nationals, um, which was kind of I think unexpected by a lot of people for those two to be in. Uh, where's your head leaning towards uh, for the for the World Series and the, you know, and the and the championship. Oh man, yeah, this is a tough one because my head and my heart are in odds on this. Right. Uh, obviously, when when the Dodgers got eliminated, that that eliminated most of my thinking. I thought they were going to go all the way. But however, the teams that are remaining, uh, my head tells me the Astros and Nationals are going to be there. In okay. my heart, I want to see the Cardinals and Yankees. I badly want to see the Cardinals and Yankees. Cardinals because, uh, oddly enough, Paul Goldschmidt used to play for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Right. And he was one of the few Diamondback players that I, I really followed a lot. And when he got traded to St. Louis, I thought, here, he's got a chance now to go deep in the postseason and make the World Series. I'd like to see Goldie uh, get to the series. He's a good guy. The other reason the Yankees are my American League team is partly because of you. Uh, Aaron Boone has been a lifelong friend of yours. And he's told me stories about Aaron and what a good guy he is. I've never met him personally. I've met his brother, Brett, but I've never met Aaron. And so I always like to see a good guy come out on top. Yeah. I'd like to see the Yankees. And I'm also not a big fan of the Astros. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, growing up with the Boones, it was always like everyone called Aaron Booney and everyone called Brett Booney. So you would yell Booney and they'd both turn around, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it got to the point where those two guys got tired of that crap. And so now – they call each other. Um, so Brett will call Aaron Tall Boone, 
and uh, and then Brett gets called short boon by Aaron, you know, and that's <laughs> that's how these two brothers communicate when they're hey hey tall boon, give me the cran- cranberry sauce, yeah, you know, that's what they're probably doing at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, yeah. Um, and so, uh, and then, the, and it's uh, again, it's a fun, um, it's a fun family. I've known the, that family since I was a kid, and my mom knew uh, Aaron's and Brett's mom uh, and dad before we were all of us were even born. My mom and dad, they were, they were friends with the Boons um, in Winterball, and so, you know, it's it's just a small world. And so, yeah, my heart says, um, I want to see Aaron. You know, uh, I want to see you know, Aaron win it, and and I predicted before. You know, long before the season uh, ended, I predicted St. Louis and the Yankees in the World Series and St. Louis actually winning because of their pitching and timely hitting. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little more skeptical on that call now with the way that I've seen the St. Louis hit. They, they just not, they've just not stepped up like they've done in years past. And Washington is just so damn strong. So the funny thing is, is if Washington does go and the Yankees go, so Bob Boone is the minor league director for the Nationals. Like his paycheck oh, is from that. the Nationals, yeah. So now Aaron, not that it bobs in uniform or anything, you know, on the field, but Aaron's going to, would have to beat his dad's team, to his team now, uh, and it's been his team for the last several years as, as being in the front office for Washington. But, uh, yeah, there was an article that came out today about Sue Boone, the, the, the mom, at odds with, uh, you know, if that were to happen, who does she root for? And she's like, well, I'm going to root for Aaron because Aaron's never won a World Series and Bob has. So <laughs> that's, that's a mom talking, you know, and, uh, and and wanting the best for, you know, and, and also obviously to keep to keep peace in the house, you know. But, um, yeah, yeah, that would be, to me, you know, um, it would be really cool to see one of my good friends, you know, and again, we're, I, I haven't seen uh, Tall Boone in quite a while because he's been running around being announcer Boone. Um, but I always sort of tell Brad, you know, I tell Aaron, I said hello when you see him and all that. And and so, uh, but anyway, yeah, that that would be for me. And then, you know, I still to this day, I, I can I can I can think back and I can't remember a time when I saw a manager do the coolest stuff like Aaron did with that that whole, you know, my batter my batters are savages in the box line, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and when I, when he said that, I'm just thinking, man, what if I was on that team and my manager said that about me after I got tossed, and and what what kind of a message would that send to the rest of the hitters? And uh, and that's to me as as strong of a message. Like I am behind you guys so much, uh, and, and I call you savages. You know, and, and and that's a that's a the ultimate form of flattery right there, right? That's right. So. So anyway, that that to me is a uh, is a real interesting dynamic. What's uh, coming up here with the with the World Series and all? So I think we got our guest on, Eric. Uh, oh, is this John? Yes. What's happening, fellas? Hey, hey, hey John. John. Jim Camp Jim Jr. here. Uh, Eric Lindenberg. And uh, hey, thanks for taking the time. I know you're uh, you're doing a lot of uh, probably a little bit of training these days uh, over at your at your school. So uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, my pleasure, guys. It's always fun uh, talking with you guys. Cool, cool. All right. So, so uh, one of the things, uh, John, just a, just a quick reminder: you and I actually met um, in person. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, and it was at a, a fall league game, and uh, and I was doing a book signing, and you just happened to be there, and we met. Uh, Eric was there also, and uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, Corey Seward, was there. And anyway, yeah, I had a nice yeah. chance to talk to you a little bit, and learned a little bit about your backstory. And then Eric just said, Oh, we got to get this guy on our show. He's, 
He's a he's a great great baseball guy, and and our show isn't about topical stuff as much as it is more, you know, what what you know, over overriding baseball stories. So we've had stories on hitting, we've had stories on, or I should say, podcasts on hitting, podcasts on perseverance, podcasts on other topics, and uh, and actually Eric was enlightening me with some of the persevering you've gone through back in your playing days. You want to maybe share a little bit uh, with that, you know, your background in terms of you know, how you came up and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, so did you get drafted out of, and did you get drafted to sign or did you sign out of uh, college or high school or how'd that start? I was actually undrafted uh, out of Michigan state and okay. I played in an independent league and went there. Um, basically long story short, got released it was the end of the year. There was a guy on a disabled list. I was the newest guy on and I was out, but they said, come back for spring training. So I was like, all right. So then I went to spring training with the Kalamazoo Kings 2004, or excuse me, 2003. And uh, that was the year that the Brewers bought my contract. All right. So uh, all right. kind of undrafted. I mean, it was uh, definitely – you know, especially at the time when you're in it, you're, I was kind of unaware of the differences maybe, you know, between let's say in a early round draft pick that's a, versus a free agent. So it was something that I definitely learned about, though. So when yeah, you got to the Brewers organization, did, uh, what was the difference between independent league and then being with an affiliated organization? Was it a huge difference or was just continuing doing what you were doing? Uh, I mean, that particular team was pretty special. There was guys like Manny Parra, Dennis Sarfate, Luis Marpeña, Prince Fielder, Tony Gwynn Jr., wow. Ricky Weeks Jr. Yeah, it was uh, Craig Breslow. I think there was, I want to say, like nine guys that made it to the show off of that. And there might have even been more. So, wow. Um, you know, to be honest with you, they threw me right in the fire. Uh, my first day there. Uh, so I basically, I made it through four appearances. I was thrown well. Um, and I had five teams call on the same day for me. And it just happened to be that it was the Brewers that I signed with. Um, and they flew me in, or actually I think I drove because it was from Michigan to Beloit. And uh, first night threw me in. <laughs> Bases, if I remember right, it was bases loaded in the ninth inning, um, and I think I had one out. Um, I feel like you know, I think I got a punch out and a ground out or something like that, but it was like threw me right into the fire, you know. But, I mean, I definitely was surrounded by some really good ball players. I can tell you that. Yeah, how were the pitch- Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, how were the pitching coaches as far as, well, when you were in the independent league, did you even have a special, specific pitching coach as opposed to being with the Brewers organization? Um, we did. Um, it was definitely a different kind of hierarchy, though, you know, especially the – I think the big thing with the the difference between the affiliated and independent ball is, like, in affiliated ball, there's a place that you go. And in right. independent ball, it's like, that's where you're at. So, and then as far as coaching goes, I actually had some really good pitching coaches. Um, in fact, my, my one year, Wes Crawford was my pitching coach. He was a guy that pitched at Florida State, and then he was with the Angels organization for a while. 
Um, but each each year was a little different experience. You know, I, I was I played in Yuma one summer, and we kind of went through ouch three or four pitching coaches. Yeah, and Jose Canseco was our manager. Ozzy Canseco was the hitting coach. <laughs> Um, we had several different guys that were, and then I kind of was acting pitching coach for a while. And it was, uh, that was a little different. <laughs> I think that yeah, should have been a, a reality show right there. I mean, with that crew. I think they, I think they tried to. <laughs> I, I actually, in fact, I know they at least made a documentary film. Oh my gosh. I wow. played in Yuma one summer. And as soon as you said Yuma, I started sweating. That's, that's all well, I remember yeah. about being in the summer. It was summer. so hot. I would, you know, going out from the locker room, the locker room's in center field or like right center, and I would, I would wear a long sleeve white shirt and I would soak it. And then I'd wear a white hat and I'd soak it. And by the time I'd get to the field, most days it was like I was dry already. Yeah. It was like a blow dryer, yeah. a big blow dryer out there. <laughs> wow. So what, were the, what happened were next those, after that? Uh, so we're back to 2003. I went to spring training with the Brewers 2004, got released the last day of spring training, um, went back to the same independent league, was four starts into the season, and actually the Brewers were there to sign me again, and I cracked off the tip of my elbow in the fourth inning. Oh. I actually I threw 12 pitches and finished the inning, which was the probably the worst part of the story, but, uh, yeah, so that timing was a little, a little rough, no doubt. That was definitely, it took some perseverance getting through that one, if, if you will. Yeah. How long did it take to come back from that? How long were you rehabbing that? Uh, it was like two years. I think it was 18 months. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, I go back. Guy, and, uh, I know yeah, a guy that that bad. happened to, um, the first pick of the, of the, of out of UCLA back in for the angels, I want to say it was like 89 or 90, was uh, Pete Janicki. And uh, Pete was throwing like, throwing 95, 98, you know, with the old guns. And in the spring training game for the uh, Angels, they called him in to, you know, to, to in relief. And the same exact thing happened. He snapped his, uh, his he broke his arm, his the tip of his elbow. Uh, after he did rehab, he went out and uh, came back and, and couldn't, in his heart, he felt like it's going to happen again if I air it out. And after another year of getting not really getting pitching very well, because of that concern, he just said, screw it. He decided I'm going to air it out, and it broke again. And uh, that oh, effectively ended his career. So my question to you was, how did you feel coming back off of that injury, knowing that, I guess, or maybe not thinking about it? Like, what was your mental state when it was the first time to sort of air it out after that injury? Oh, buddy. Um, <laughs> I mean, first of all, it was wonderful as far as being able to throw again because I had the first five doctors I saw told me I wouldn't pitch again because it was a completely acute fracture, so no more bone touching bone. Uh, and they they pinned it. But long story short, yeah, so I, I uh, was extremely excited just to get back at it. It was just a huge mental barrier almost like that I had – honestly, that I had built, um, but, but this big wall, you know, and I was, I was going through some stuff and Zeke Zimmerman was the guy who was with the angels at the time as a coach. And he would kind of come up. I, I rehabbed at uh, physiotherapy and associates in Tempe. Yeah. And, uh, he would come up there and he, you know, we were, I was starting to kind of let it go. 
you know, you go through throwing program, that's pretty low key. And then you start to stretch it out a little bit and then you start throwing bullpens. And I think I was, you know, probably my third or fourth bullpen in and Zeke just kind of like pulled me over afterwards. And he's like, listen, you know, I, at this time, I didn't even know him that well. He was working with all the other guys, but he's like, Hey, you know, there's no doubt you have the stuff here. He goes, but it's almost as if you've built up, you know, this, this brick wall in front of you with expectations and this and that and that, you know, just all this stuff that was outside of my control. And he's like, you're sitting there and it's like, you're banging your head in it. You're trying to go through it. And, you know, I won't use the explicits, but basically was like, go around it or dig under it or, you know, just stop banging your head into the same thing. Cause I think he could see, I was, you know, getting frustrated with part of the, even getting that feel back. That's that. That's what I why I asked because I think yeah we're all different right and 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 it's like and that's part of the the perseverance. Just just a quick uh, a footnote. We had a guest on um, who was actually an old teammate of mine at USC. He then tree transferred to Arizona State after that and was a starting catcher for a few years. Drafted by the Montreal Expos and after his very first game where he he went uh, two for three with or sorry one for three with the game winning uh, RBI. Uh, on the drive to to back to go, you know, go get dinner. Uh, the van that he was driving in rolled seven times, and he broke his neck. And uh, oh. and the and the and the perseverance to come back. He's now uh, a very you know renowned uh, attorney in in Santa Monica, California. Uh, but to hear you know the stories that he had to go through, you know, to to just you know kind of walk again. And and to this guy's credit, like this stories of perseverance, it sounds a lot like like what you dealt with um, kind of coming at it, you know, through an injury like that. And and I understand you had a car accident too. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. You're giving me goosebumps. Uh, yeah. 2000. In fact, uh, if you kind of fast forward where we were at, you know, go from, let's just, we're going to fast forward through 11 years of independent ball, but I got re-signed by the Brewers 2014. Wow. Um, and then I, it was off season. And January 11, I was driving home from doing a baseball camp at Victory Lane and uh, was sitting at a stoplight and some lady just rear-ended me and just crushed me. So, uh, wow. yeah, I'm I'm still dealing with that one now, actually. Um, oh, man. Because I've been I, – I went out and I pitched in uh, the NABA, one of the NABA tournaments last week, and I've – you know, I'll throw to guys at the facility and it's – you know, I can – I can throw at 80% all day long, but it's like going up to that next level, especially since that is like, it's, it's a whole nother barrier. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. One and of yet, those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You continue to pitch, John. I, I've always, ever since I've known you, I've, I've been kind of in awe that you continue to keep coming back. Uh, how long did it take after that car accident to at least be able to put the uniform on and throw again? Uh, it was like a week ago. It was the first time, actually. Uh, so it was, oh, wow. I, I was joking it was the Olympic plan that I was on. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it actually ended up being almost five years. Um, but it was – it was uh, the Olympic, obviously, would be four years. So I guess I was <laughs> – I was close. <laughs> Well, I got a question for you, John. Just coming from a former catcher to a to a pitcher, um, what what was your sort of what what was your you know sort of like uh, 
you know, go-to sort of style where you, you throw in three-quarter slot, you throw in straight over the top, you got a slider, overhand curve, like, like what were your, what was your repertoire? What was your, what was the pitching style that you, uh, that you kind of use? Well, coming up, I would, I was more of a three-quarter and then I would vary arm slot. So I could, I could really throw about any of my pitches from any slot. Um, and then as I continued to play, I dropped down, I would say right about, you know, above my shoulder. So you'd okay. call it like a low three quarter. Some guys would call it sidearm. It definitely wasn't submarine, but, uh, I threw a sinker, a change up, a cutter, and then a slider. Um, you know, being that I, I was, I played for a long time. So I varied with split finger and change up and, uh, Bob Welch actually taught me a pretty cool pitch that was kind of like a half a split. Um, just kind of learning how to take speed off the ball. Because um, I I was up to 96, 98 was my highest. Um, and I would sit pretty comfortable, you know, 94, 95s, um, especially earlier in my career. And then later in my career, especially – couple other little injuries but it's like the velo uh varied for a couple of years so i had to kind of re i guess uh <laughs> redo some of my pitches you know and kind of revamp some things and work on movements right. and taking something off versus back in the day it'd just be like here you go well i, I caught a guy named uh, jeff nelson he ended up being pretty famous for uh you know being the setup guy for mariana rivera with the yankees for years but yeah, that's what he was compared me to in 2003 or 2003. That's funny. Well, well, I'll tell you the the funny thing about it was we're sitting there in a ball, and Nelly had just got released by the Dodgers the year before. The Mariners pick him up, they send him to Double A. He gets he was a starter then, was throwing straight over the top. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you could get more over the top than he used to throw. And then really? he would throw his his curveball from up there and his slider from up there, and they broke too much. Like, and we're talking a six-foot break on a curveball. I'm not exaggerating. And it was really hard for him to throw a strike without bouncing it. And it was really hard mm -hmm. for an umpire to call a strike if it, if I caught it because it would have come across the plate too high. So he was my roommate, and we were sitting around after he just got his ass kicked one day in, in, in A-ball. And, and this is, like, August. And I'm telling him, like, dude, like, and we're drinking a couple beers, and, and you know, and, and we're just, like, I'm laying it on the line. Like, look, you know, we're friends. And I want to help you, but let me just tell you, man. You know, I've been around this game enough to know that if you got released by a team, and then you go to a, a like a, a tier one Dodger team, and then you go to a tier two team like a Mariners, and you don't perform there, they're going to let you go. I mean, it's like you, you got like three or four weeks left in your career if, if you know if they're even going to let you continue through this through this season as a starter. And I said, man, let and I, and I stood up and I said, dude, what would happen if you just stepped right at the right-handed hitter with your front foot and and through through three quarters and and through all across your body with elbows and knees flying everywhere i'm like i would not want to face you you know right now dude, your ball is as big as a beach ball and so the next day he goes he said let's let's throw a pen tomorrow and see what it looks like and he just went out there in the very first pitch he threw the ball dropped like six inches just his, his normal straight crappy fastball was 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 almost unhittable from the first time he threw it. And he threw a slider. And before I know, just long story short, the guy ended up closing for a 16 hitless innings the rest of that season and was in the big leagues the next year just by changing his arm slot and delivery. So my question oh, to you that. is, 
would you uh, like did you when you went three quarters did you start stepping more like toward the the, the uh right-handed batter uh, more toward the third base side or did you keep a straight uh a straight line with your front with your landing foot uh in in general it was probably a little straighter i have tinkered with both though i've i've gone right side of the rubber and gone all the way over and then i've actually more recently i'm i'm more on the left side now because it allows okay. me to throw the back door because like i could pound in all day long and i could throw my sliders um but going to the other side of the plate and especially throwing that that sinker off the lefty's front hip now i can basically throw a ball that i start behind a left-handed hitter at least in my mind i throw it behind him and it comes back over the inside corner nice so I kind of just so, have played back and forth with a few different angles, if you will. Yeah. So by the way, Eric and I have had on um, one of the. I think she was the only. She was the only woman to to play professional baseball. Uh, she played independent, um, and her name's Isla Borders. And Isla was a lefty pitcher. And uh, so Eric is a left-handed hitter. You know, he played at Arizona State, and I'm a righty, and I you know, played at USC and played pro ball for like eight years or so. So we had a we had a little fun with her because we said, "Hey, Isla, how would you get us out?" So now I have to ask you, John. Here we're looking at Eric. Let's do Eric first. Eric, I was just going to ask you the same thing. I was going to bring that up also. So I'm so the go, left hey, so, yeah, left-handed. Okay. Okay, go t- tell him tell him your your mo, Eric, as a batter, and we'll see how John will get you out. Okay, I'm a left-handed pull hitter, and uh, usually first pitch fastball. If I see a good one, I'm going for it. However, I hit lefties pretty well, and I can hit the curveball. So if, you know, you know that facing me. What are you going to throw me the first time up? What are you? How are you going to try and get me out? Oh, this is fun. Uh, you yeah, know, you've actually I seen my I, swing. I've taken cuts over there. At your, your yeah, I was going to say I've seen your swing, Doc. I, I know this thing. <laughs> no, yeah, if I remember right, you hit you hit that back target. I remember right. I'm pretty yeah. sure you did. Yes, that's but, right. Uh, Typically, you know, obviously it depends on the situation. You know, nobody on, nobody out. I'm probably going to look to, you know, get you out in three pitches or less. So I'm going to, if you're known to pull, I may throw that sinker, you know, down and away and kind of try to get you on your toes a little bit and roll something over. Uh, If we get late in the count, I'm probably going to go slider off your back foot or some high keys. and, that, and by the way, that's exactly the, the those, that's the sequence I would have called if I was catching you, and Eric was up. And I think even with two strikes, uh, I think he would. Uh, we could chase. He, he might even chase high if that's part of your game. I know now. Yeah. yeah. Like every everybody's throwing high, uh, and they're getting calls up there. But they, I never saw. I never once caught a pitch, you know, above my eyes as a catcher that was a strike. And nowadays, you know, these catchers are catching them. They're almost jumping in their strikes, you know. But uh, that's interesting. Crazy. Yeah. That's it's funny. I would have been. You mentioned you throw me high cheese. I would have been looking for that at that point in the count. So but, we'd see. With two strikes, probably. It, having seen John pitch, I would have known, you know, his mo. So I probably would have been looking for it. You know what? Though I would have been looking for the down and away slider too. So I don't know. All right, so, so now so, maybe, maybe I'll uh, maybe next time I see you, John, we'll jump in the cage and give it a shot. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. I love it. So, 
so I will tell you in advance that I batted about 200 against guys like you. That three-quarter, you know, guy just kicked my ass. That, that's why I recommended to Nelly, you know, Jeff Nelson to throw that way because I'm like, I could hit that guy, you know, that style. And he's on your team, so you don't have to. And he was, yeah, yeah, never, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, but but the point is, is when I would see someone come in like that, looking like what you're throwing, like um, the, I struggled against. Now, if you were the the, the six foot four you know, skinny right over the top guy with a, with a, with a curveball like so many major league starters have this sort of that MO. I hit those guys all day long and I, and I, and I hit pretty well against those guys and I hit lefties good, but not against you. So like, what would, what would, yeah, by the, you would probably recognize that after my first like pitch. Um, how would you go, how do you go against righties who were pretty much dominant pole hitters? Um, and then, but they have some power. So, you know, you got to kind of be careful about uh, leaving a sinker, too much over the inner half without it becoming a sort of a, a swing and miss pitch. Like, how would you handle that kind of hitter? Uh, typically, I'm going to attack uh, in early with that sinker, and I'm going to, if I miss, especially on the first pitch, I'm going to miss in. Okay. Um, and then I'll kind of go from there. If you foul it off, you know, if you pull it foul to third base, or if you kind of hook it, I'm going to probably throw it again and just move it a little bit more in or a little bit more up. But if, you know, if you take it for a ball, then we might have a little different kind of chess match going on. Cause I, I hit about 500, it. I hit about 500 home runs against your style of pitching, but they all went foul. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> that, that sinker well, typically... uh, was my kryptonite, man. <laughs> so, well, I had the this, sinker I mean... slider combo, you know, I would say for a little while that it, and it was at least a, a number of years where it's like a, you, that feeling of I just let go of it and I'm like, okay, this is a ground ball to third. And it's like you just right. knew it was just a feeling that I had where I'm like, okay, if he makes contact here, it's a one hop ground ball to my third baseman, you know, we're going to go shake hands. Well, John, so, you brought up an interesting topic right there. And Eric, Eric, I just want to bring this up because. Uh, I, I, I train hitters and I, I train catchers. And one of the things we talk about when I'm working on with catchers is when I, when I was a catcher, I was ended up, that's why I stayed around so long in the game. I hit okay, but you know, I was pretty good at throwing guys out and with, with, with pretty much, it was more of an accuracy thing than a, than a 95 mile an hour arm, you know? Um, and I, and I had this, this, I had this concept that I called fingertips and I could just say those words to myself. And I that would t- totally straighten up my sort of um, throwing mechanics. Uh, and what I, what I mean by that is is releasing the ball out front. You know, when when we I think a lot of times and you know this as a pitching coach, we got a lot of these young kids who want to start grunting as soon as they pull the ball out of their glove. They want to start to, you know, kind of get strong <laughs> instead of letting their arm being a whip out front. What what are some of the ways that you teach? I'm just curious because I, I I love hearing with the way pitching coaches. A lot of them have their own vocabulary that they've created over the years. Do you have any sort of like proprietary things that you or lines that you say that you probably wouldn't hear from the average pitching coach, but it's really a lot of times it's saying the same thing as other coaches, but do you have any sort of like go-to lines that, that when you're working with guys uh, in reference to, you know, releasing the ball out front or, or snapping out front the curveball and things like that? Yeah. I mean, for the curveball, I, I like to see them throw the front half of the ball. So they throw get the out front half of the ball. Throw the front half because it, it's the same idea. It makes them wait until they get there. Yeah. Um, for for the other ones, I I have a lot of timing 
in rhythm-based stuff. So we like to, it's either a super fluid, so you lift your leg and it's super, and then when you throw, it's fluid. So it's, I okay. took it from the golf world, but it's a rhythm and a timing thing. Cause you're right. So many guys have that early effort. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll even go as wait, 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 boom. So they're literally, and to get them away from thinking about a mechanic, you know, cause I, I really think we need to go beyond mechanics and they really need to be in, in the far background as we're competing, you know, so we're, as we're getting ready for that, we're going through, we'll take our pre-pitch breath. And then on the first move, we're just going to start to say, wait, 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 boom. Got it. And then the boom is the, boom is the release. Um, kind of another one that goes along with that, a visual, because we, we throw inside of a pitching tunnel. And I take straps and I run them kind of on the angle that they throw. So if he's more of an over-the-top guy, it's going to be a little bit higher and have a little more angle. Um, but I want them to wait with their effort until their hand gets to that strap or until they've replaced their shoulders, if you will. Yeah. So when that back shoulder replaces the front shoulder, and then, yeah, you get to that point where that strap is kind of off to your right side peripheral if you're right-handed. And it's like, okay, now that I get on that, wham. Got it. And I noticed a lot of, uh, and more so now than, than than ever when I played, but a lot of pitchers are grunting like tennis guys did, you know, back in the day because of the same idea. I feel like it's like Granky last night was, or was it uh, last night or the night before when Granky was pitching? Um, he was grunting to the point where you could hear every single grunt on the on the, the TV screen. And he was grunting exactly at that point that you're talking about of like you were talking about throwing the the front of the ball for the curveball. That's exactly what Granky was doing, and um, and he was you know he was fairly effective, and he's been fairly effective for a long time. But but that I've heard, I've been seeing that that timing uh, that you that you talk about is so important. And can you can you expound on the timing and, and injuries as as well? Well, I mean, I think that the guys that have the early effort or especially the guys that are, let's just say a million miles an hour, like, like kind of like you said, right out of the glove, those tend to be the guys that have pain, you know, and I, we tend to use pain as a teacher more than anything. Um, because I think, you know, it's like anything. If you, if you were to squat down wrong and try to pick up something heavy, your, your back's going to bark at you. Right. Right. You know, and if you, if you throw with that early effort, those are the guys that typically have the soreness on the inside of their arm. You know, so I'll have a lot of guys that come to me and they're like, you know, hey, I'm sore right here. And I'll see them on video and I, I see a direct correlation to the timing of their effort and where they have that pain. Right. That makes sense. It totally does, and and I and I think I mean I actually Dr. Andrews, you know the guy who's performing all the surgeries, uh, Tommy Johns now. Um, he was he made a comment, and this is a couple years ago, but they were asking why there's so many more Tommy John surgeries, you know, today than in years past, and and he basically said, uh, you know, like like basically bad mechanics, and and um, guys being tired, and then getting bad mechanics when they're tired when they try to keep going. Uh, those are the two main factors that he's found for these sort of sudden injury uh, guys that almost like, and we've seen them like, 
know, they snap it right there on a pitch and they walk off the field and pretend like it doesn't hurt, but they're, it's killing them, you know. And then, then they're out for a year and a half with the surgery. You never, you never had any arm problems, did you, when you were a player, or did you have to go through some arm issues? I mean, I was rubber. I had a rubber arm from a young age, but I was for sure, um, you know, and it, it's probably why I focus on it so much now with guys because I definitely, I mean, my college pitching coach one time, <laughs> Greg Gunderson, he told me that uh, he'd call me the Tasmanian devil because it was like, oh boy, could I rotate? <laughs> I would ro- it's like I would rotate too soon, you know, and it was like, if, and it was kind of something that, I mean, honestly, it took me a fair amount of time to learn. Um, but now that I've learned it, it's, so much different you know and i i compare it to a crashing wave so if you ever watch a wave how they kind of build up and then they come up and they crest and then they crash and right. that crash is what you're talking about with that late effort so a lot of times with the with the delivery or with the swing i'll i'll put it side by side with a wave and you can really compare it to that motion and that energy that it creates as it builds and then it crashes and the timing of it is never off. The timing is always just there and it's never rushed and it's, it's on time. So a lot of times the guys that I see early effort, I'll just take them literally with like coach's eye and do a side-by-side video analysis and watch this and then watch you. Okay. What do you see as a difference? And a lot of times it'll kind of open their eyes that it, it's not, mechanics or getting on top or, you know, whatever these, these, uh, thoughts are that they're having, that it's actually something maybe more simple, which is kind of trusting that, that building process of energy going, you know, one, two, three, boom. Right. You know, I love that. I love that. I love that because that's very similar to when I'm working with catchers. Um, we, I use the, the dynamic of, you know, there's two types of hill, of catchers. One, one's a helicopter. In other words, he stands straight up and throws. And then the other one mm. takes off like it, like an airplane. And what you're describing to me is I like using that. I, I'm going to start using the wave because that's exactly what we're trying to teach. You know, getting on your front foot as a, as a catcher when you throw is critical to get on top of the ball and create a downward plane to, to second base or third base or first base, wherever you're throwing. And it's a unique, it's a unique position throw. Like you don't throw like this if you play third or left or, or anywhere. It's a very specific throw for catchers. And a lot mm-hmm. of times I have to teach a kid who's played, you know, third base his whole career, and now he, he, he's learning how to catch in high school. And to get them to learn how to throw, you know, the properly as a catcher, that wave analogy is exactly what what uh, what we talk about because it is a late. It's a I call it a late grunt, and I just stole that from tennis, you know. But um, that that late that late sort of uh, uh, move that you're talking about is tough for a lot of young players to because they've they've never done it before. Um, so it's curious. I'm curious. Have you had guys where you've sort of like walked in there and here's a guy. Let's just call him a high school kid, and he's got a lot of a promising body, and and but he just he just can't seem to get the velo. Have you had some instances where you've made a few adjustments or? maybe made a total mental mind shift on this player and, and they've turned into like a whole nother guy. Oh yeah. I'd love There's to hear no if you, any, yeah, any details. I mean, I think this is what people don't understand is, is how much good coaching can really affect players in their careers, you know? Well, I mean, I had, I've had a couple guys, um, 
and junior college guys that have came in just beast. In fact, I mean, I just had one recently that just texted me and he, he had previously, he was 84 miles an hour. So he walked in and I used the Rapsodo for pitch design and, you know, just basically for data. And when he came in, he, I think he was 83.1, if I remember right. And when he left, he was 89.1. And this was basically over the summer. He'd come for a lesson or two a week. And then he just texted me that he hit 92. Wow. And that he was excited, like, over – he was just asking if when he comes back over November break, if he can come back in. And, of course, you know, I'd love to help him. But he uh, – the biggest thing was the awareness. Like, he really – he he had very little idea how he was supposed to move on the mound. Um, he clearly had worked in the weight room because he was, I mean, he looked like a middle linebacker when he came in. He, he looked me in the eyes and I'm six, four and he was, I'm 225. He probably had 15 pounds on me. I think he was 240 in his little assessment, but he, uh, so we initially just kind of looked at some video and he would go home and do some stuff. And then the next session we started, there's a thing called the focus band that I like to use with guys, but it's, it's, it measures brain waves. It measures your right brain, your left brain, and then your whole brain. Um, and basically, yeah, it's really cool. But what we basically found is like, he was thinking about how to throw the ball versus, you know, what a good pitch looked like and what he wanted to do there. And uh, what you start to learn with this, with this is if we can get to a state called motion or a quiet eye, basically we're using our whole brain. So we're, and it's kind of the, the idea of if you've ever done humming or grunting, a lot of times the idea behind that is to shut down the thought of the how to. Okay. And you know, kind of long story short, he went through this little process and he just continued to climb and continued to climb. Um, I know there's more in there because even though he's a beast, um, I could barely get him to make the noise. Like we, we do uh, diaphragmatic breathing. We'll, we'll lay down on the ground and as you inhale, your belly rises. And then as you exhale, it goes back down, you know, and you breathe through your diaphragm, um, which most guys have no idea how to do until you teach him right right but i was i was trying to get this kid to make noise so i mean i'm screaming and yelling and just doing kind of doing my thing and then he uh we were going back and forth on a text thread with some video stuff and i was i was like asking him his like not like a spirit animal but it's like hey what's your like inner animal like you're on the mound what is you know, you're a manimal right now, which is what we try to get these guys to be. And like, what is it? Like for me, it's a pterodactyl. So like I let out this pterodactyl for him and I, I sent him the video and, and then he's like, well, I'm a bear. So I'm like, all right. So I downloaded all these grizzly bear sounds and he was in throwing his bullpen <laughs> and I started playing these like super loud, like grizzly bear sounds. And, uh, long story short, trying to get more of him, like just to let it go. It's like, he's, he's very uh, analytical. A lot of left-handers that I've had are, are would kind of fit this mold. And I'm sure you've probably had enough left-handed. Oh pictures. yeah. 
oh, that yeah. you've dealt with. But I mean, it's not like they're all like this, but a lot of them are. And he's definitely he checks the boxes. You know, he's definitely left-handed movement. You know, everything except for the sideways or tilted hat he has going on. So, uh, but <laughs> yeah, a really cool, of a lefty. A really cool story. <laughs> yeah, and you know, he goes from a guy honestly that he he'd put in a lot of work and he worked his tail off with me. Um, but it's like, he turns himself into somebody who's maybe getting some innings in college to who knows what could happen now. If he can, you know, continue to, to grow and maintain this, this little, uh, whatever you want to call it, this little growth. Well, 92, 92 from the left side is, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's strong. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a pro a lefty, you know, a guy that's, that would be signable. Uh, and when I train guys, one of the things I look at is like, like if you're a high school kid and, and you're on, and I'm training you, I, I start thinking back, like, could this guy play on my high school team? You know, would he be good enough to be on my high school team, you know, from the, from the eighties. Right. And and sometimes right. I say, sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, this guy would be a stud on my team. And other times I'd be, no, nah, I don't know if he's, and that's one of the ways, and you know, then I think about could, could he play at the next level? Um, and does he have the potential for pro ball? So how how do you look at players that are coming in to see you? Do you sort of like see where they're at now and see like, okay, you're not going to make the high school team this year with that crap. And, and, and unless you get tuned up, I mean, how, how do you do, do any, like, like in terms of assessment uh, and, and any kind of consultation with the players that you're training, I get that all the time, almost as much, by the way, one of the players I train is at an NAIA school in Iowa um, just called me during the show, and obviously I couldn't pick it up and answer. But he always has questions, and he—I he, know he has—he had an inter squad game uh, today, and he was probably telling me how he did. Uh, but but this is how I like to do consulting. You know, it's not just like come and pay me and then you're gone. I like—I want to keep in touch. I want to learn. I want to, you know, help you go, get through the season when you're not around sure. me. Like, how, how do you do? You get? You, know, you said you just got a text from that guy and. So do you, are you on an ongoing basis with, you know, text basis and, and uh, contact with players that, uh, you know, are out traveling and, and can't see you all the time like uh, normal? Absolutely. Yeah. I, in fact, about three years ago, I started building an app. I think Doc probably seen it. Yeah. I saw it on bit. your website. Yeah. 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 Um, I've got the app. So there's kind of some, there's a lot of interaction in there. I've built a bunch of daily journal logs so like I can see what work they're logging. Um, they have a, a bu- post bullpen, they have a post throwing, um, they have a post competition, but I really like most of them will send me video, you know, and it tends to be, you know, especially as they get older, college or pro, um, it's not like I'm breathing down their neck, but it's like, they always know that I'm there if they need me, you know? So right. like sometimes guys might go two or three weeks while they're really doing well and they're just kind of doing their thing with you know, just a few text messages here or there. But then, you know, if, you know, if they have a, let's say they have a great outing and they're like, hey, check out this video or they have a a terrible outing and they're, hey, check this out. You know, I'd, right. I kind of see, uh, you know, part of it's, it's one of the hardest things as a coach, honestly. You know, it's like you have your guys and especially once spring training comes and at the end of the summer this year, it's like, man, all these guys are, you're happy because they're all going to play, but it's like you really build a a relationship with the guys and they're around a lot, you know, and it's, it's one of the hardest parts is watching them go. Um, but obviously it's, it's very rewarding getting them to go do their thing too. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's awesome because technology, I think about it. I, 
I, we didn't have access to that coming up in right. the game. It's like, no. shoot, we didn't even have video necessarily. I mean, my dad would take it on the camcorder and maybe you could go watch it later, but it's like, you can literally pull up video now and it's like, you can send it right to somebody or whatever. And, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. It definitely helps with, uh, the remote coaching. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a kid at Washington and, uh, they actually have a dual camera. So when, when they're doing their inner squads, they show the hitter from behind and from the side. And then they also mm-hmm. show the the, pit, the pitch that was thrown and the speed of where that pitch was thrown and the location. And that's all put up in text on the, on the, on the video. And then the player gets this sent to some portal that he has through the university, like some, you know, some server and then they pull those out and then they, they, they turn them into like a lower grade, you know, video that you can send on a text. So here, here's this kid, like, like half an hour after his inner squad, he's texting me as a bat. I'm like, that's cool, man. I wish, I wish they had that kind of junk when I was playing that, that I, and again, I think, you know, video, like you were saying as a coach and the super slow-mo stuff, I mean, you can see every single nuance of every single good thing and everything, single bad thing. And then, you know, split screen it and see, you know, uh, against um, the same player against himself and the same player against someone else. And I think that all this technology is is making, uh, I think, you know, uh, coaching not just, I think it's more effect, effective than it's ever been because now the player can see himself or herself doing the thing, you know, and, and, and doing it right and doing it wrong. Um, one of my things is I get into, you know, like at some point I tell the guy, like, I'm not going to be in the batter's box with you. You know what I mean? Like you're up to bat. I've given you all this knowledge that very few people have because of all the years I've made mistakes and learned from them and grew from them. And I'm, I'm giving you a heads up of, of these mistakes that are, are hearing or they're here and they're coming. And it's your job to make the adjustments. And it could be between pitches. Um, does that another factor that as a pitcher, um, do you guys like, I mean, and I know this as a catcher, but like, is that something where you get into the mental side as well with your pitchers? Absolutely. Probably more than anything. Um, yeah. Especially because the game, I, I think the best players play the game one pitch at a time. And I, I really believe my number one job as a coach is to make my player uh, need me less or make them their own best coach, if you will. Right. Where, you know, just like you said, I've I've never been able to go out to the mound with a guy, you know, at times as a training device, I've thought about, hey, I should just put like a microphone in their ear. I mean, a, a earphone in their ear and talk to them from 100 feet away. But it's like, you know, it's it's a very interesting game. I think, you know, that's why a big distinction at the youth level, my son's starting to play. And, you know, I I run into certain coaches that are, literally feel like they have to be involved in every possible part of the game. And they're just, to me, they're way over coaching. And I think, I think one of the most important things with an experienced coach is they know when not to say something just as much as when to say something, you know, because these guys become, uh, you know, so dependent on you. And then it's like, dude, are you going to let them play? Like let them, let them fail forward versus trying to make it so they never, make a mistake let them make a mistake and then teach them why you know and i i think that allowing you know i think it's part of it is obviously 
we love what we do, you know, and it's not like we don't want people to not need us. I'm not saying, hey, pitcher, you don't need me. I'm just saying, like, the more they can be their own best coach and maybe rely on you less, especially at that moment of action, you know, that they're going to believe, maybe more believe in themselves at that moment. Right. You know, so you didn't puppet master it. That so I, that's funny you said believe because that was actually going to be my next little thing and and Eric I'll, I'll I'll switch over to you after this quick little comment but I think that's one of the main things and I tell the kid like look when you come in here we're going to work on stuff like mental physical I also get into you know um, in batting you know there's a little bit different sort of an approach that you you make based on who's pitching so you know facing you would be different than facing like that lefty you described earlier the bear guy you know you'd have a different approach as a hitter you know, just based on being righty lefty and then also the dynamic of that type of pitcher. But what I, what I found is when I, when I, when I am done with a batter and I had, I had a bunch of lessons yesterday and when I'm done with these guys, I, I pretty much say, I think to myself, okay, I just dropped, I just gave this kid a drop of confidence because he crushed today in the cage off of me throwing to him and going through the, you know, the, the, the various drills that we do. And he walked out of there in my opinion, with exactly what he needs to succeed this week in, in hitting. And and I tell the kid, you know, how do you feel? And then you can see it in his eyes. Like you can see I, that little drop of confidence I gave him has turned into a swimming pool of confidence. And that's just what play, baseball players need because we get our asses kicked every damn day. And then we got to go back <laughs> out and do it again. Right. So I, I'm really, I'm really uh, appreciative of, the, of that uh, comment there, because I think what you're doing is you're doing exactly what, you know, especially young people, um, you know, who, who sometimes confidence is fleeting, you know, when you're a younger person and going through puberty and all that junk. And uh, so someone who has experience and like you have and has the knowledge and, and can, you know, give that kid a little sip of confidence. Uh, and then the kid is just now just gets going through his veins and he goes out and he does great. And you think about it, you're like, yeah, good mechanics. But really, you, you freaking bear down because you had the confidence and you went and competed because you had the confidence to beat that guy. And ultimately, isn't that what we're watching on TV right now in the postseason, right? We're just looking at guys. Just Confidence is just, it's just you can smell it through the TV set, you know, how much confidence uh, uh, these guys have, and, and especially on the mound lately. So, again, I appreciate that. John, Eric, go ahead. and hit, I know you got some more questions that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, I know you follow a nutrition program and have for many years, John, uh, and you integrate that with your younger players. I'm specifically thinking about the guy you mentioned, uh, the left-hander who's a pretty good-sized guy. Uh, is that a detriment to him to be that big, I guess, or is there a way to nutritionally affect his developments? I mean, I think there's definitely a fine line. I think I think one of the – probably the biggest mistakes that I see is guys don't eat enough real food. Right. So – Maybe they'll take a protein shake, but they're they're eating food out of a box versus like you know real food. Um, but this particular guy, definitely part of his process was learning kind of how to use the full range of his muscle, if you will. Right. I think I think the weight room can be really really good, but you also have to be very detailed with how you're doing things. It's not just bodybuilding. But it's a, yeah, when I played, they didn't even let us in the weight room. It was like off limits to the baseball players. And that's well, I think definitely, like a lot of the guys are made in the weight room. 
um, as far as their athleticism. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's really an individual to individual basis. You know, like the kid that we were talking about, um, it's pretty well proportioned. Like he's still lean. He's just big. Oh, okay. Definitely yeah. Sally spent time in the weight room, but it's like, he's not necessarily, you know how guys can get too big, if you will. Yeah. They get like upper half dominant, you know, like <laughs> they yeah. Lower half looks like toothpicks and the upper half looks like yeah. it's marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny you brought that up, Eric, because when my grandpa was the GM of the Dodgers, uh, was right in the middle of Steve Sachs's uh, inability to throw the ball 30 feet, you know, at second base. Oh yeah. And and my grandpa blamed it on um, Sachs's karate lessons. He felt that, you know, my grandpa was ended up having a, he wanted to be a doctor, being to play baseball, so he was all into kinetics and and physiology and stuff like that, and. He felt like that those short movements that they teach you in karate, you know, to make a short punch was affecting the long, the long muscles that you need to throw. And he made him quit. He, he actually made him, he's like, I'll, I'll tell you what, do you want to play in the Dodgers? Or do you want to, do you want to be a karate guy? It was one of those, you know, conversations. Wow. And, uh, and I don't think he ever, he ever did find his throwing motion, you know, again in his career, but um, that was the old school way of, of thinking. And it's so funny now because we look at these guys, and um, we actually, I had, a, I had a really interesting, like a lucky break where one of my good friends invited me to a private meeting with Mike Trout. And we're talking like 40 people in a, in like a, in a, in a conference room. Yeah. I saw uh, and it was from that. Yeah. And, and what it was is uh, Trout is, he endorses this thing called body armor. It's a drink, you know, and, and uh, my friend is in the drinking category at, at convenience store levels. And anyway, we're in there and they're, and they're talking to Trout about like one of the questions to him from one of the people in the group was, you know, tell us about your workouts. We all think of Trout's, you know, as a workout crazy guy. And he is in the off season, but he only works out on a, on a, on a 20 minutes uh, every three or four days during the season. Uh, and, and he said that he needs to keep his flexibility during the season, but he works really hard on, powerlifting and and so pitchers are still really not powerlifting are they you guys are still trying to keep the lean muscles is that kind of the still the, the mentality or is it getting more into raw leg strength and back strength and core strength i i it's an individual thing um there's definitely some kids that come in i mean it's a relative a relative term as far but you know i do like ballistic movements um, like explosiveness. Um, I've definitely played with in, in my own training. Um, there was a time where I went heavier, heavier. And then there was a time where I was focusing more on the technique. And I think the technique always wins. You know, yeah. I think obviously there's, there's a time for, let's say, pushing yourself, you know, and it's definitely not in season and it's definitely not you know the day before your start or something like that um but i think i really believe in in chaos theory so making the body continually have to make adjustments because i think the game of baseball is straight chaos you know what is absolutely it is. 12 million possibilities in a game so when it when it comes to our workouts especially for the pitchers i i really like to vary even the re- types of resistance that we use, whether it's bands or dumbbells or barbells or barbells with bands, or there's 
old school tires that we like to use or ropes or chains, or we have a, a fire hose that we use for some different stuff. Um, but I think the more you can kind of vary it, I think it's, and just in my experience, it's been better and maybe more, more on the injury prevention side. Right. Uh, Very good. I've been there plenty of times, John, and I, I've seen your training methods, but I've, I've met a lot of the guys that you work with. What kind of thing, and you're constantly changing and improving what you do. What do you see going down the road? What kind of, are there any major things you see coming that are going to affect not only your players, but the way the game is played in general and what we see at the big league level? Honestly, I, I think the next frontier, there's two things. Um, I think it's going to be the mental game. You know, oh. things things to – and I think it's already happening, but I think guys are more and more aware of it now. Um, but with – I had a, a left-handed pitcher, Matthew Libertor, who was a draft pick two years yeah. ago. The depth, that's right. With he, the went, he went to Mountain Ridge High School in Glendale. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and he he's a kid who – he started with me when he was 11, you know, and coming up in the game, it's like visualization for us was like the guys would tell me to see it. They wouldn't teach. Like I, I really didn't learn what that meant until I was probably like 27, <laughs> you know? So it was like certain stuff I taught him when he was 11, but long story short, I talked to some different scouts kind of just through this process because of his in-home interviews that he had. And just certain stuff that he said, like I had phone calls from teams that, and in fact, I had people in the backyard that came over and talked to me about it. But just because it was, in their mind, it was like Eastern versus Western, you know, kind of like uh, as far as where it came from. The one, the one scout that came and talked to me, he scouted over in Asia. And then uh, – He's just like, I've never really heard this stuff over here. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> one of those things. But some, uh, I, I think that that's really another thing. And I think nutrition, you know, I still believe, especially I know when I was in the minor leagues, it was tough, you know, and I deal with this with a lot of my guys um, now. The big league guys that deal with it, it's easy because they have access to about anything you can imagine versus, you know, the minor league guys, they're – even if they have the financial means, they're maybe not, you know, they're in a small town usually, or they're somewhere where, you know, fast food's the only thing available or, you know, there's right. pizza or, I mean, it's not like you can't eat those things from time to time, but let's face it, the the better fuel you put in your engine, the better the performance you're going to get out, especially in terms of recovery, you know? So I think, um, you know, between those two things, the thoughts, kind of the idea that thoughts become things and then kind of the idea that food is fuel. I think those are probably my, if I was to dive into two things that would really help people, I think those would be the two things. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, Eric, do you think, uh, where, where, by the way, John, where can, where is your location for those that live out in, in the Phoenix, uh, in the Phoenix area? Like how would they be able to, uh, go out and check out your facility or, or, you know, connect with you to see if uh, one, you know, maybe their kids or, or someone even listening would want to be a student. Well, you can check out fuelfactorysports.com or we're basically right where the 101 and the 17 intersect. So if you're heading north, 
I guess you could be heading south too. Uh, on on the 17, you'd get off at Pinnacle Peak. Oh yeah. Uh, and then we're basically you'd get off. You could get off at Cave Creek, or you could get off at 19th Avenue off of the 101. All right. And then we're located right behind the Deer Valley Airport. Yeah, it's called Victory Lane, correct? No, it's called Fuel Factory Sports, but it's very close to Victory Lane. And Victory Lane, we actually, we do a fair amount of stuff up there. Um, Mike, my buddy that owns it, he's awesome, but uh, we've done some of our summer programs and camps and stuff up there, so. Right. Okay. Very cool. All right. So what, what's your, what's the age group typically for your students? Then, uh, like, you know, I guess it would change by by the seasonality. But like this time of year, I imagine um, you're, you got the travel ball kids in there. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have the youngins. I think, especially right now, the high school guys are in here big time. Um, All right. Yeah. The, the pro guys are starting to trickle in. Um, once the high school season starts, we mainly just do workouts with the guys so it'll be less of them and then more of the younger guys kind of like to get ready for the little league season and whatnot and then um after that you know the pro guys all take off and then the college guys kind of start to come back next and then in the summer we have high school and college and youth stuff all going on which is kind of the that's probably our busiest busiest time but that's because kids are out of school yeah right well, that's the one, you know, Phoenix, you got the, you got the 12 month, uh, you know, the 12 month weather. And just like we do out here in California, for the most part, we, I think we, we get a little more rain than you guys do, but, um, you know, the, the idea of, 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 you know, you look at the hotbeds of baseball across the country and there's that one little, you know, similar factor, the sun, you know, the sun is out in the winter and in all these places where all the best players are coming out of, or they have, a lot of them also have facilities like yours where, you can train uh, whether it's snowing outside or, or what have you. But uh, that's the other part that I noticed, you know, growing up in Southern California, we had great, I mean, I play, I faced guys that I faced major leaguers in little league, you know, I mean, you know, and, and, and I had, uh, you know, I, and I had guys on my team, you know, in little league that, you know, my, my little league team, I think we had about seven guys that played pro, you know, in, in their future. Um, and I had four or five guys on my high school team that played pro. And, you know, this, this competition is what I see, you know, in, in schools in your area, too. Uh, you know, you guys had those guys, those, those draft picks, like they lift the, the, the pitcher you just talked about. And then he had a buddy that was picked, like, right before him or after him. Yeah, Nolan, Nolan Gorman, I think his name is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, he's a good kid. He's, that's just he, a testament, uh, he's a big... to that area, you know. Yeah, I mean, those are two, you know, those are two kids, too, that especially, you know, guys like us are going to root for those guys because, you know, especially the more you get to know them, it's like they're good kids. They're confident, but they're humble, and they work their tail off. So it's like, I mean, I, I vouch for especially guys, you know, I think we were talking about it earlier, but it's like the the main component of what are we looking at, you know, as far as if guys are going to make it or not. You know, I think number one is, is how are they going to deal with adversity and how is their, you know, how's their body language when they're failing, you know, how's certain things, you know, how they're going to deal with, with that. Cause it's easy when you're good, but you're all going to have a bad day and then are you going to help or you're going to pick it back up and go again. But I think that want to factor, you know, when you got guys that are showing up, which typically if, if you train at our place, you're not coming to just kind of go through the motions cause you wouldn't be there. Um, typically the guys that show up, but there's also, there's another level of drive 
you know, that I, especially with Matthew that I've seen, um, Nolan as well, but he's, you know, he's a hitter. So I have, I've helped him with certain things like breath and, you know, just talking through stuff. But yes, like with Matthew, it's like, he's literally, he's made me a better coach because of the questions that he had, you know, and there was certain things that it's like, okay, this kid's like literally going home and like, he's obsessed about this, you know? And it's like, those are the, that want to factor. Those are the kind of guys that I, if I was a betting man, I'd bet on them. Right. <laughs> And I think, uh, Eric, you and I have seen a number of players over the years that fit that mold with, you know, hyper-competitiveness, and I think I have it and had it. And uh, and I think that that was really what helped get me way past the, the level of my talent. And uh, and I saw that with the Boone boys because I grew up with those guys, and one of them still got it, and he's he's managing tomorrow night in a pretty big game. That's right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> So, uh, John, hey, I, I know you, we've had you on for about an hour, man. I know you got uh, you got big things to do, and I, it's probably less than night over there, too. So, uh, hey, thank you so much for coming on air. Do you have any final questions for John? No, I just want to continue to wish you well, John, and uh, I'll touch base with you and get over there again soon. Hang out, and then I want yes, to get please. in the cage and take some cuts off you. Let's do it. I'd All love right. to and have it, you in When I get out – when I, when I get out there, though, I'm I'm not going to use wood against you, okay? Just aluminum. I don't I don't need any splinters. <laughs> I, kind of a kind of a funny story on that, but I had I threw live the other day, and we have I've got a couple guys that are training with me, um, that are new, and they're both pro guys, and they they're like, oh yeah, we want to hit live, and I'm like, all right, I'm throwing. I said, I'm not being uh, a jerk here. I'm just telling you that one guy's a right-handed hitter, and I'm like. If you've got like a, a bat that's your baby, I wouldn't use it. <laughs> and uh, he laughs, you know, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, whatever." And first pitch, he takes for a strike. Second pitch, he swings, and sure enough, snap! Oh, like, dude! Better than anyone Right? I was like, "Hey, if you got that bomb bat, you might just want to practice with that here a little bit." I'm, work- I'm working on sinkers that. You know, you might want to go to Big Five and get that twenty-five dollar ash bat for a batting practice. You know what I mean? Uh, that's John, you're awesome, man. You're awesome. I can't thank you enough for for joining us. And uh, and I know Eric. I really appreciate you, Eric, uh, getting John on. And uh, I knew we sure. would have a fun conversation when I when I met John, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and and of course, you lived up to the to the hype. So uh, we appreciate it. Uh, once again, um, uh, it's called again the the fat fact. Factory, what's your what's the name Fuel of your one more time? Fuel factory, fuel factory. There you go. Yep, factory, fuel factory. And we and the reason behind that, I'll I'll go into it just real quick. But there's three three types of fuel that we believe you know that are coming out of here. But it's it's the fuel of desire and dedication and getting better every day. And then it's the fuel that we put in our body. That's the food. And then it's the fuel that we're throwing or the fuel that's coming off the ball we're hitting. So gas, throwing gas makes love it, it easier to remember. So, <laughs> and you know what though, I love the sim- the symbolism, and I think you know that also resonates in the minds of the athletes because you know you've you've set this up in a very logical way, and and I and, it, and all the things you touch on are exactly what are uh, what I what I know as a former player is the dedication that you you need uh, in in all three of those areas. So uh, I commend you for, you know, not just thinking about it as a, you know, here's a way for me to, you know, go out and keep doing something I love and make a living, but you're actually going out 
and, and doing that, but you're also uh, making a living for other players. You're, you're allowing players to learn how they can get to the next level, whether that's, you know, making the little league team or the the high school team or the college team or the pro team. So I commend you for your efforts and giving back. Um, and I feel really blessed that I get to share, you know, my stuff with the players that I work with almost to the point where if I won the lottery, I'd just go buy a big ass building and everyone that I wanted to work with would be free. And we would just turn yep. into a kick-ass thing. And it's because, <laughs> you know, this is what, this is what I think I'm, I've been put here to do. You know, um, certainly I got to go out and do my day job and, and pay the mortgage and all that crap. But man, uh, when I can, when I help a guy and, and it's, and it changes his life, you know, it's, it's one of the most satisfying and gratifying things that's ever, that ever happened in my life. And I'm sure you feel the same way. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise. And uh, we'd love to have you on, you know, down the road here. Um, and then, uh, but in the meantime, um, do you have any like, uh, you know, handles like, uh, like if you want to, people want to con- connect with you on Twitter or, or Facebook, by the way, we have 760 mutual Facebook friends or something, you and I, so are, I, know you're on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I know you got Facebook, but what else, what, what other places are able, people able to sort of reach out to you? Uh, on Instagram, I've got coach Zinger and then I've got fuel factory sports. And then on Twitter, I've got Zinger 29. All right. Perfect. So, uh, again, I uh, can't thank you enough, John. And um, I think we're going to uh, – It's Eric and I are going to have a laugh about uh, one of these days we're actually going to be able to get a hit off of one of our guest pitchers. I don't know, yeah, Eric. Maybe. Let's go. Let's I don't know go. if that will ever happen. <laughs> but next Live time I'm babies, seeing, here we go. Yeah, Let's I'll go. bring my aluminum. I'll bring my, my aluminum bat, and we'll have some fun. <laughs> so, I love John, it. thanks That'd again, man. Fun. I appreciate it. And you can hop off now anytime you want. Eric and I are just going to finish up the show and sort of wrap up um, about All some right, upcoming cool. stuff. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for everything. My pleasure, Thanks, guys. John. All right. See you back. Wow, that was great, huh, Eric? No, oh, that was awesome. What a great guest. Just like I knew he would, just like you knew he would. And uh, yeah. and I think, you know, I think we have, uh, you know, with Eric, well, I mean, with John, rather, we can, um, we could have easily, you know, gone on for another hour. But uh, I, I think he has lessons coming up at, at uh, in the next few minutes. So he was very gracious for staying on so long and, and sharing some of his stories. And you know, I love hearing that story about like that, like your, your animal, your inner animal. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and I, I mean, that, that, that's how I feel and it felt when I got into the batter's box, you know, like, like Aaron Boone called them savages, you know, and I kind of fancied myself more like, you know, uh, I was, I was more like a, you know, like a, like a Buffalo, man. I was just going to give a I was a stampede of Buffalo. That was sort of my, <laughs> my mentality. I'm just going to, I'm going to hit you with something. You're going to get hit with a horn or a hoof or a, or a, or a, or, a, or even a forehead, who knows? Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to battle you and we're, and we're not going to stop charging that, you know, that was sort of my yeah. mentality. Um, and so I found that to be really, really refreshing and, uh, and, and interesting that, you know, this is where this is coming from, you know, a pitching coach. So uh, yeah. I think and I would, he's got, so, I, he's got so many advanced ideas and, you know, everything like the three things you put together at the end there. On his philosophy, right. I could he that guy could be a major league pitching coach right now, a successful one. I totally agree, and I think that that's what uh, one of the things that, that that I'm learning is you know a lot of a lot of uh, bitter guys my age. You know, I'm in my fifties and early fifties, and a lot of guys my age just are not getting a look by you know even though to, despite their you know their playing record. Well, it's because the players in the game is so different today than they were um, when when 
you know, when you and I played, Eric, and you're just a little bit older than I am. So they're looking for guys who are, who either have been, you know, associated with the younger generation and then the young, and then the newer ways of doing things. And I, just like you said, I think John is, is, is maybe even teaching them some of the ways that need to be modified from the traditional ways. Uh, So, you know, you're seeing a lot of younger pitching coaches and you're, you're, you know, there was even a 35 year old guy who just, uh, applied for the angel job he was the uh i think he was the padres hitting coach 35 years old you know wow uh, and that, and that's what i think we're starting to see is just sort of this younger um this move to sort of a younger coaching staff you know maybe the manager can have a few years on it but it's those it's those guys that are in more direct you know positional contact with the players um they're they're tending to be more you know in their 30s and 40s guys um, and that's a direct byproduct of the way the game's changed, you know, since, yeah. since you and I were, were in uniform. So yeah, that's a good point, Eric. And I think, yeah, it, 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 it might not be something he wants to do uh, because of the success he has with his facility, but I'm sure down the road uh, that might be something that, you know, if, if someone saw and saw the need and said, hey, you know, I think we could use you in our organization, I'm curious what he would do. But it's a question we, we need to ask if we get him on again, right? Yeah, next time we have him on, for sure. Perfect. All right, Eric. Well, hey, it's been another wonderful uh, show. Can you let, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on uh, Twitter. It's Dr. Baseball, capital D-R of baseball. And on Facebook, it's my name, Eric Lennonberg. Uh, and just send those messages. And you gave them my email earlier. Uh, I get a lot of feedback on Twitter. For some reason, that's how people choose to contact me. So uh, just keep them coming, and we'll keep giving you the shows. Perfect. And then I'm at uh, Jim Campanis Jr. on Facebook, and um, you can check out the Jim Campanis at Jim Campanis on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, you won't confuse get confused with my dad. He's not on Twitter or Instagram, but he is on Facebook. So if you see a Jimmy Campanis, that's senior. That's my dad. Uh, anyhow, um, and then yeah, we we talked about the uh, Yahoo um, email, driving them in at yahoo.com. Send us your your uh, questions. Uh, people you think you'd like to get, you know, get us to get on for as a guest, or if you want to be a guest, let us know. We'll uh, we'll take a listen. So yeah. uh, anyway, Eric, great show. Thanks again. Um, we will tease everyone with letting them know that we are going to have some really cool guests coming up um, that are they're base, baseball related, but these people have also had lives in really cool other areas. Uh, but again, That's it's right. like baseball's that that common denominator, uh, and and uh, I will say that I blew the knee out of one of our guests on accident making a bad throw at USC, and he still gives me crap about it. So hopefully, um, he brings that 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 cool attitude with him when, when we get him on in a couple of weeks. Uh, but you'll, you'll 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 I think you guys will all be pleasantly surprised with sort of this uh, this guest, and hey, you might even have seen him before somewhere else. I'll leave that. I'll leave it at that, Eric. So, uh, and then we have we have another guest, Erica. You you've uh, have, have interviewed in the past, and I can't wait to speak with with that guest as well. So uh, yeah. we should have some fun here in the next uh, in the, in our little uh, with our little show driving them in. Any last comments? No, just uh, hope everyone has a great week and stay safe out there, folks. It's a great time of year now. That's right. So uh, on behalf of Eric Lindenberg, is Jim Campanis Jr. Thank you for tuning in to Driving Them In. And until next time, we'll uh, we'll see you then. Yeah.